when Joshua had grown old, the Lord said to him, you are now very old. And then there are still very large areas of land to be taken over. It's like, thanks, Lord, for stating the obvious. And here the days of Joshua had been marked by many, many victories. And the previous chapters, particularly then chapters 10 and 11, we're in chapter 13 here, outlined these impressive military campaigns. And the Israelites had swept through large swaths of what was to be the promised land. And much resistance had been met and was pushed back. God had done many, many miraculous things just as he had promised. And here was the reality. Great sections were left unconquered. And the second half of the book of Joshua conveys how the land was to be divided for the children of Israel. Here God reminds what has not been done. And he spells it out, naming these unconquered areas that Jeannie read on that section that was hard to even understand all that was going on geographically. These unconquered areas to the south and then to the north. <clears throat> They're very, here's the two ideas that come together. You're very old, and there are very large areas that are yet to be conquered. I want to go ahead and put up our picture here of the mop. God had promised the victory, but there was a lot of mopping up to do. You might remember fellowship meals. We used to have those here at the building. Love to have them again. We don't have them at the moment, but you remember the wonderful meals we've had in the gym here. And after a good part of an hour, much had been eaten, and the times together were rich and good. And then most people walk out to their car, and uh, at that point, those who are left in the gym realize that there is much more to be done. There are still tables to be put away, and there is a kitchen that needs major attention, and there's a bunch of leftover dishes that nobody knows who they belong to, and uh, there are leftovers that maybe need to be taken home or left for the staff in the refrigerators. There's trash to be taken out. And somebody has got to mop that gym floor. And though the meal had been eaten, the work was not done. This is the situation in Israel. And the passage doesn't say that since Joshua is old, he can take it easy. Or that since Joshua is old, not as much is expected from him. 
It doesn't convey sympathy, empathy, or sentimentalism for Joshua's age. Nor does it say that Joshua, though he is old, must do all the work himself. In fact, the point of the section may be the very opposite of that. It may be trying to say that responsibility is shared as the land is being transferred to each tribe who will need to finish the mop-up job. You see, there are people still occupying the land. It does say that though Joshua is very old, here's what remains to be done. The mission of God, church, is not yet finished. Now, during this pandemic, who doesn't feel a little bit older and a little more exhausted and a little more just tired all the way around? for some reasons that we can explain, and for some reasons that we can't seem to explain, we're worn down, worn out, and just a little more irritable. Now, maybe I'm projecting too much of what I'm feeling onto you, but we need a vacation, we need a nap, we need a change. But regardless of your age, the point is clear, your work is not done. Picture this man, older man, doing his work. You may be old, but you are not finished. Can I get an amen? The passage highlights the principle of perseverance. And here's my definition made up. Perseverance is running your entire race to the finish one step at a time. And it brought to mind that amazing passage in Hebrews chapter 12. And I actually want to reference that, read that, and make a couple of points before we make a few applications this morning. You're familiar with the passage, but it's such an impressive passage in terms of the insights, if you'll meditate on it, if we can get to, kind of get to the bottom of some of it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles And let us run with a perseverance, the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
think the first thing the passage tells, to, uh, tells us from Hebrews chapter 12 and 1, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles is declutter everything that's holding you back. So I might ask you this morning, what is the weight that is hindering you? What is holding you back? And I know sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes we know and we don't want to say. It is embarrassing. It is shameful. It's out of place for the people of God, a follower of Jesus. And sometimes it requires more reflection would strip it off. Throw off the extras. The extra pounds of a persistent sin begins to add up. Sometimes it's extra memories that we cannot seem to shake. Sometimes it's behaviors that beset us. Sometimes it's an extra desire, an obsession with comfort or relaxation. And these extra emotions can be an awful emotional weight. For instance, is there a fear or a failure that's just eating away at your life? I think this passage is proposing that we let it go. And don't mess around with it. Just don't mess around with it. My grandfather was a farmer, and uh, he was about 80 years old. He had on his coveralls, as farmers do. And he was burning a ditch bank at the side of his property, as he had done once a year for the past 50 years. And then his clothes caught on fire. And he could not throw off what hindered. He could not strip off his clothes fast enough. And he was severely burned. And Becky and I lived with him and Grandma at that time shortly after we were married. And I'm telling you, he never fully recovered. You may be 60 years old or 70 years old or 80 years old sitting in this auditorium this morning and you need to Strip it down. Declutter some things that are hindering your walk. And like Joshua, who among us is not in a war of some kind right now? At least we feel like it. Because life is doing its best to wear us down and wear down believers especially. And a few months ago I was 
checking up with one of my college friends. And you know, we had this active, vibrant, faithful college group, many who had become Christians while they were in college and made confessions to Jesus, and hardly any of them are in church anymore. So get rid of the baggage. And I don't care what your age is, it is never too late to declutter. So the second thing the passage invites is that you keep running. And Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says it this way, and let us run with perseverance. Isn't that what Joshua 13 is, what Joshua is being told? You're old, but the job's not done. Perseverance, run the race marked out to us. You say, well, I haven't run in 20 years or 40 years. Longer. It's never too late to start running. So that's the invitation this morning. Here's the picture of Julia Hawkins. Julia started running at the age of 100. Here in the picture, this 103-year-old great-grandmother competed at the National Senior Games in Albuquerque and won two gold medals there. And her comment on her running was, every day when you're 103 is a miracle. So if you've hit the wall, I want to suggest that you run with perseverance, with endurance, with persistence, remembering it is one step at a time, and you run because you know that you are in a race that matters. The race of faith has been mapped out for us. You run because you are in the game of life, and there is no standing still. There's no neutral, there's no autopilot, there's no cruise control. You're going to continue to grow or you'll be dying. Speaking spiritually, of course. You're taking hold of Jesus and his mission or the culture, I promise you, will slowly eat you alive. I've seen it too many times, I know. I am confident of that point. Now, if I may be personal for just a minute. The cumulative total of this virus, this pandemic, in this role as your minister has assaulted my spirit. And it has robbed my energies And my passion, my spiritual, my emotional well-being, and I was sick for several weeks, and I don't know what to attribute it to other than maybe the, the factors of stress along with all that is going on just weighed on me. I haven't been able to find my bearings. So I'm trying to align myself with this message this morning. I can source it to a lot of things, to my health. I can point to the monumental challenges of of what it's like to be a healthy church during these times. And let me just put it this way, it is humanly impossible. 
there is a staggering tension between the value of our traditions and the need to be innovative for us to move forward. We don't know how to manage through that. The current agitated political, social, racial environment is lingering just below the surface at all times, and it is wearing. There are heavy, heavy questions about the capacity of the traditional church to address society, to make disciples, to reach young adults, to be an agent of the kingdom's perspectives and priorities. And then there is the pressure of trying to make Sunday morning work for all. There is a reluctance to make a commitment by so many. And then I feel like we're competing as a church within this city with other churches, and now we're competing online. Why should we have to do that? When did the church have to turn into a, have a competitive match with other churches? And yet I hear it from you. I know it's true. And so I haven't felt this bad for a long time. And I share now only because I know some of you have similar stories of exhaustion maybe for different reasons, with different circumstances. And it is hard to run or to even think about running. And I know we don't always need to be running. We can stop and rest. And we need to stop and assess our direction. But then like Forrest Gump, we need to run and keep running. I want you to see a third thing in this passage. And then that is to focus on the goal. Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the text says. The pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. You see, until you take your last breath, which may be a lot closer than you think, it's not too late to refocus. You fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the first motivation, the author of your belief, and he is the one who brings it to the end, to maturity. He is the perfecter of your faith. Jesus Christ is the source of, is the sustaining companion, and is the final goal. So here's what I've been telling myself. I must get a better view of Jesus. And when I'm ready to quit, I move my line of sight to the Savior. You see, at times... 
in my life, in my experiences, and I'll bet this is true for you, and I'll bet it's true in your career, I'll bet it's true in your education, I'll bet it's true with your family, I'll bet it's true that at times we can get away with running our own race, and we can, it's okay, we can just sort of leave Jesus on the sidelines. We know He's there if we need Him, cheering for us. Because we can run our own race in our own time, in our own way, with our own resources, knowing that He's in the stands. Here's the thing. I don't believe marathons work that way. That might work for a 100-meter dash, or might work for the, a couple of miles, but not for the marathon. For the long haul, Jesus must come out of the stands and run the race before us, beside us, and sometimes even run it for us. If we have a mission that honors God, and I believe we do, Jesus is at the center of that mission. If we have purposes in mind, Jesus must be the pioneer and the perfecter. His focus is our focus. His joy, our joy. The greatest motivation for perseverance, to declutter and to keep running, is not positive thinking, is not to take a break, is not to see a counselor. And you may deem to do all those things. But the greatest motivation is Jesus himself. Now, you ready for a list? I thought of this at Marty Dolan's memorial a week or two ago because I saw Marty's decision to declutter at the latter part of his life, and I saw his commitment to run the race with perseverance, and I saw how later in life he reprioritized his focus on Jesus And so here we are at a memorial, and it was so refreshing. And I thought this list of people that we're going to put up in just a minute who finished their race, hopefully not just their race, but the race. There are people that I have been serving here at McKnight since I've been in full-time ministry here. Some were members, some are family members of members whose funeral was done here. Some, not all the funerals were done here, some were done off-site, but they might have been uh, because they were members here, but we're in a different area. But I just want you to see this list of great cloud of witnesses that have touched the lies lives of this congregation and are cheering us on. And I'm going to have the praise team, they've all each got a mic here to read through this list 
of those who have gone before us, who have finished the race in the last few years. I'll read the first slide. Betty Nossaman, John Ferguson, Judy Cornelius, Steve Bundren, Jackie Williams, Laura Wigger, Dorothy Dismuke, James Nail, Lucille Bueller, Bonnie Jones. Hazel Wagner, Bill Moon, Ruth Ann Wendell, Mildred McCauley, Stan Dickerson, Mildred Richardson, Millie Hopped, Daniel Lee Morgan Sr., Louise Stevens, Shirley Ann Fletcher. Linda Thurman, Mamie Jones, Stuart Dismuke, Ron Burge, Johnny McGlone, Charlene Bielick, Mike Miller, Sarah Sears, Robert Dierolf, Bob Sally, David Pullman, Harvey Heinz, Bob King, Gina Stikes, Butch Smith, Roosevelt Walker, Shirley Magnum, Linda Taylor, Marianne Thomas, Richard Payne. Betty Irwin, Joan Gupton, Jeff Earnhardt, Joan Stewart, Jeff Wren, Bob Nossaman, Ashley West, Matthew Cannon, Rosemary Grissom, Marty Dolan, Faye Doughty. The congregation here at the corner of McKnight and Litzinger has had many, many victories. As Eric shared in the communion thought, even last week, in terms of God blessing the trip to Honduras, winning people to Christ, caring for people, being a place of healing, providing strong relationships, reaching people through acts in the campus ministry, Christian family services, supporting missionaries, loving lots of young families, having an amazing teen program, and having wonderful, wonderful leadership. And as we look around church, while much good has been done, there is a lot of mopping up to do. Unfinished tasks are all over the land. And if I might use the promised land as a topology for our life in God, then the land was to Israel 
what Jesus is to us. There is much Jesus yet to have. We must possess him, maybe even more theologically accurate. He must possess us. Until his return or your last breath. Will you think about your next steps of faith? God bless you this week.